We welcome you to the Romantic Truth Podcast, where you think before you love. Please feel free to subscribe and listen on Anchor, Audible, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, CastBox, Podcast Addict, Breakers, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Deezer, or your browser. Be sure to share a link with a colleague, family member, or friend. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is for mature audiences due to the sensitive nature of subject matter. Think before you love is the Romantic Truth Podcast motto. You will not get slapped here, we promise. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here in Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Hope everything is going well for you. Now, there's something I want to address today that has to do with commitment. How committed are you to your partner? That's what we'll be talking about today in this particular episode. During World War II, there was a kamikaze trainer. For those of you who don't know, kamikaze pilots, World War II, when Japan had lost many of its carriers, many of its destroyers and battleships, they got kind of desperate. And what these pilots would do, they would get locked into these planes to use up all of their ammunition. And then the final move would be for them to crash their plane into ships. Well, this instructor taught a lot of the pilots how to fly. And he felt guilty because he was sending these young men out to their death. He wanted to fly with them. But, of course, the generals, captains, so forth, would not let him do so because he was a married man with a family. He told his wife that they wouldn't let him fly because of that. Unfortunately, she took that on as a burden, thinking that she was holding him back from something that he really wanted to do. She took herself and her two children and drowned the children, then drowned herself so that he could fly. I know it sounds kind of absurd in the West, but that was the honorable thing she thought to do at the time. He wound up crashing his plane into a ship that eventually sank in the Pacific. In a way, it was rather ironic. She gave of her life and her children's lives so that he could take his own out of honor and pride. Now, in America, of course, this would be absurd. In the West, in most countries, this would be absurd. But some of you, believe it or not, find yourselves in relationships where you're willing to sacrifice far beyond the efforts of your partner. 
And many of you don't realize it until after you're filing the divorce papers or getting them filed on you. And you realize how empty your marriage was, or relationship was for that matter, if you're living together. You feel as though you have thrown away precious time in your life. Expended a lot of emotional resources. And you have very little to show for it. And of course you love your kids. And then you have to think about the things that you had in your life to substitute your happiness. You were unhappy in the marriage or relationship. But you look at all these other things that you may have purchased. In order to spark a sense of happiness. The trips you've taken. All of these things that you tried to do in order to really make it work when it wasn't working. It can be exhausting. And then you make a promise to yourself that I'm not going to go through this again. This was too much. Now there are some people out there that have been married only once. Or been in one long term relationship in their whole life. And after that experience... They've chosen to punish themselves by not getting involved again with another relationship. It was too costly. Too time consuming. Too hurtful. Too painful. So instead, it comes down to a situation where you'd rather be alone. Because you don't want to think about the past. It's an open wound. And it's one wound that doesn't heal. Because a lot of times you'll look for other examples of failure to prove your point. You become very biased in your view of relationships. When you hear about how difficult it is for another person to maintain their marriage or relationship, you don't want to hear it. You shut it down change the conversation because really you haven't healed and therefore you feel as though that one person that was in your life for that extended period that you allowed them to be in ruined it for the rest of your life now this is not the case but it's the case you can make for yourself some of you do this. Once bitten, then you realize this is not for me. Even though you get lonely at times, you would like to have a relationship, but what keeps you in that same place where you've been ever since you've gotten out of it is that doubt. I know it's not going to work. I'm not even going to try. I put too much effort in the last one. I don't have it in me to do it again. This is the problem many young people face when they start relationships. They go too far in, too quickly, and they give too much. As you age, you will realize that things have to be measured. 
just like you don't go and overdo it on a basketball court in a volleyball game. You do your best, but you don't do too much in order to make you more of a liability than an asset for the team. Well, the same thing holds true in a relationship. You got to set limits. You got to have boundaries. You got to keep your standards. And as I told you time and time again, some of you just drop all those things and just think that it's going to magically resolve itself. It's going to magically fix all of the errors that are wrong. It would be nice in an idealistic world for these things to magically fix themselves so that you will have a better go at life. Almost everybody would like that. But of course, it doesn't work that way. But the one thing you have to remember, when you decide that I want to take myself out of society and I'm not dating anyone else, what you're doing at that point, you're actually allowing that one person that was in your life that you couldn't get along with to control the rest of it. They're fed and happy going on with the next relationship. You're still stuck trying to resolve the issue that you were exposed to with them long time ago. Now, some of you get stuck on that. And some of you use it as a badge of honor. And you bring this up to that person. You tell your friends about it, your family about it. They're tired of hearing it. You've worn out your welcome with everybody else. And you're looking for new people to hear your same saga. By this time, you definitely need to go to therapy and talk to someone about it and face some harsh realities about yourself. Yes, we have people that say they're not quitters. We have people that say, I'm not going to allow myself to just be taken in like this. I'm not going to allow myself to be used. I'm not going to allow myself to be whatever because you went through it in the past. Your biggest fear is going back out there and meeting someone else and being hurt again. So, what do you do? You start dating out of entertainment based on that alone. Amusement. Diversity. You don't get serious. And you really don't care about impacting someone else's life, whether it's in a positive way or a negative way become detached now when this happens it's almost like you're a bit sociopathic reason why I can talk about this I've been there but I wasn't hurt I was there because I thought personally that you didn't trust people because 
it would always disappoint you. And what I had to look at also was the fact that I wasn't asking for perfection by no stretch. And that's the reason why I lost confidence in people because for a while there, it was a situation where by default, I would think this person is going to disappoint me in the future. I'm just going from point A to point B with this person and that's it. I I want them to know this and that's it. And that was a good way of guarding yourself from being disappointed. Yes, there was a time when I was up here just using assumptions. And I never really looked at the big picture. What I will tell you is this. Most times you won't see it as punishing yourself, but that's what you're actually doing in an indirect way. As I told you before, if I wanted to go to the movies, I'd meet a woman, take her to the movies, we'd have a wonderful time, and then after that it's radio silence. She served at one purpose for me. I just wanted to go to a movie, didn't want to be alone. If I wanted to go to eat dinner, same thing. If she didn't have something to wear, I went to a department store, had her fitted from head to toe, and we were out the door. But it was really for my benefit, and I thought that she benefited from the residual side of making her feel better, and that was enough. I had no intentions of being with that woman, or those women, full-time, relationship or anything like that. And I had to work through those things. Because what it came down to, I had a terrific uh, therapist that I talked to about this when we had several sessions together. And that woman was fine as hell. Like, mm. But that's beside the point. I had to come to the realization it wasn't that I wasn't happy with myself, but what I learned was that. When it came down to anything involved with my emotions and my feelings, the last person I was ever going to trust was someone else with those. Because I had been disappointed so much. Now, here's the thing. They were under no obligation to not make me disappointed in them. And that's what I had to come to the reality of about relationships. See, nobody's under any obligation not to disappoint you. Your complaints, they're only internal complaints. There's no customer service department when it comes to dating. That person's not going to say, oh, we're going to get right on it. And this is what you have to come to grips with. At that point, I decided, I said, well, you know, I kind of like the lifestyle of dating. Did it for 30 plus years. And it was funny 
because a lot of the women I met along the way were like, oh, you need to settle down, have kids, that kind of thing. And I said, you know, I kind of like this. I have a diversity of meeting people, different stages in life, doing different things. I learn a lot, having a lot of fun. Because if it was unpleasurable, I wouldn't have been in it. And the one thing that I knew right off the bat was that I was actually growing. And that's what helped me a lot. I've seen people over-sacrifice in relationships. Something you don't hear about that often. And this is when people don't do too much in order to try to keep what little they have when they actually could have more if they were with a person who listened and reasoned with them but you also have to bring your half to the table too we'll talk more in a moment the toughest things to experience in a relationship is giving your best, giving your all, and not being acknowledged for it. Where you have done your absolute best, and your best doesn't even come close to being good enough. Now, you might be with a narcissist, where you're never good enough. They're Teflon. And then again, you have to look at the psychological impact it has on you. You're still trying to please and appease. Thinking that at some point, you're going to have this Valhalla moment where this person gets it. And they magically start respecting you. Sadly, here's the truth. A person that's ignored you for so long in your efforts, your commitment, your devotion, your loyalty. And all of a sudden, they have that moment, that epiphany of, oh, you're special. Thank you. I love you. I appreciate what you do. Then you're caught with the idea, are they being valid or is it just a situation where they're being patronizing usually people who ignore the efforts of their partners first of all they feel as though it's obligatory as if it's their duty to do what they do they feel entitled that you are bending over backwards for them Now, the other aspect of this as well is that they also feel as though the only time they need to compliment you is when they need something from you. You know, like those fair-weather friends, they contact you when they need something, but things are going well, you could treat it the same way. No phone calls, no text messages. You catch my drift. 
and it's sad, but there are some people that are wired that way. And you will waste a good portion of your lives trying to convert them, trying to get them to commit as you have. They have a reluctance to do this because they're preoccupied with something else. It doesn't necessarily have to be another woman or another man. It could be an addiction. It could be an insecurity they may have. If and I open up too much to you and I make a commitment to you, I'm going to be hurt. So this is as far as I'll go with my portion of the commitment in the relationship. You're two-thirds the way there. I'm not even a third. And this is like a safety net for those kind of folks. So they don't get hurt or disappointed by you. Now, this is very exhausting. And no matter how you complain about it, this person is not budging. They're staying right there. Because whatever that is that keeps them there, it's got a lock on them that you can never get to pick. Now, a few things to be on the lookout for. When you start a relationship with someone and for some reason you just can't get it right by their standards, you're always falling short, you're always looked upon as someone that has to be corrected. You may say something that is valid and true, and they may want to put their special touch on it in order to make it what they would like it to be. Then what you have there is not a partner. You have a competitor. It's something you don't need. It's good to have a competitive uh, streak in your relationship, but it should be one that's more or less kind of um, playful. It should never be a hard competition between you and your partner. When you get to that point, what happens is you get to a point where you could easily dehumanize your partner. I'll give you a broader example of that. When I was growing up, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier, that was the big fight. Fight of the century, they called it. And Muhammad Ali said some pretty rank things about Joe Frazier before some of those fights. Later on, he apologized because he realized that he was tearing down another man who had a family. He realized that after the lights had gone out, the media had gone away. He was still dealing with a man that deserved his own dignity, just like anyone else. So that level of objectification he had towards Joe Frazier, because of the fight and the hype and all of that, a lot of people began to view Joe Frazier based on what Muhammad Ali said. And these things can be hurtful, but he was looking at it from the standpoint of a black man tearing down another black man. 
but I would say it doesn't matter what race he was. Really, did you have to tear him down like that? You settled that in the ring. But he had the moral consciousness to realize that he had publicly dehumanized the man. And he acknowledged it. That's what great people do. They admit their mistakes. They own them. They apologize for them. Some of you are in relationships where your partner won't even apologize to you when they've made an obvious, egregious mistake. Narcissists are known for doing that. They don't make mistakes from their view. And then you have the other problem that some people have when they commit to someone. Some people commit because of an identity crisis they may have. I remember guys that used to hang out at the club would talk about, oh man, I'm gonna bring so-and-so in here and they'd bring this celebrity or entertainer in and, you know, they're the talk of the town because they brought, you know, an actress or a singer in. But you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And it was funny that a lot of the award show, you never saw that dude with that lady. Same thing with a lot of the women that I used to see walking around with some male celebrities. When it came down to the award show, those women weren't on their arms. It was the optics. You have a major brand now that's literally telling poor people, those of us that don't make over $100 million a year are worth at least that, don't buy our bags. Don't buy our products. We're not going to be sitting around selling you keychains. Because the way they're looking at it, you're ruining our upper brand of business. There are other brands that really don't care as long as their product is out there. People are buying it. They're not going to change the prices in order to accommodate the little folks. They're looking at you step up your game. And the sad part about it is people will brand themselves according to Sometimes the partner they're with. This is one thing that I had to realize years ago. Nice place, nice clothing, nice car. And I was attracting abundance of women. But what I found was they were more interested in a lifestyle I could provide for them than who I was as a person that could potentially provide the lifestyle. And when it came down to commitment, what was the commitment? The commitment was what I had, not who I was. This is the very reason why I tell you on those four defining question categories, who are you? What's your purpose? What's your strengths and weaknesses? 
and what are your future intentions or what are your intentions? These are very valid questions. They ask you this array of questions. Are you going for a job interview? When you go to apply for university, they want you to define yourself. Then they want you to establish a purpose. Why do you want this job? The next thing, what are areas that you're bringing to the company that are very good that would make you an asset? And what are some of the things we would have to look at and working you with in order for you to become more productive? What are your future intentions? Are you planning on staying with the company and becoming a general manager, becoming a CEO? What is it? And these are the same things that you should require when it comes down to dating before you even start a relationship. You should have defined yourself first and then apply those same things to someone else that you meet. And that will help you with making a better decision. Will it be perfect or foolproof? No, nothing is. If you're a person that's out there dating, looking for a relationship, and expect there's this magic book, magic video, magic podcast, magic movie, or anything else you'll see. You're in bad shape if you think that that's going to be it. You got to do the work. You know, it's funny. There's a young lady I met online recently, and we were chatting, and she told me, guess what I'm doing right now? I said, what's that? She says, I'm watching a romantic comedy. I said, oh, really? And she says, not for the good side of it, for the cheesy side of it. She said, this is entertainment because of of the foolishness associated with it, the superficial side of it. And I said, well, that's good for comic relief. I don't see any problem with that. But see, here's the thing. She was wiser, and she knew that some of the things in that romantic comedy could never be true. But the good thing about it, she was objective. See, what happens with many people, they may not have had a decent relationship that they can compare their lives to. For instance, they may have grown up in a broken home. There may not have been a man in the house. For that matter, a daughter may have only grown up with her father and never had a woman in the house to teach her some of the things that she needed to learn. So she may have more of a masculine posture. It varies. There's no template as far as how you rear a kid because they're going to be exposed to different things, influences, and so forth. So as they grow, they acquire these things, and it's what makes them who they are today when you meet them. Now, one of the hardest things in the world to do is to make a commitment where you're not really sure about the commitment you're making. And some people will do that. I remember when I first joined the Marine Corps. And the first night, it took us from the uh, office there on Wilshire Boulevard 
gave us a bus ticket to get the bus to get down to the train station. Took the train all the way down to San Diego. We get down there, and these guys are telling us to shut up and get in the truck. So we got in this van. We got down there. First thing they did was get on the yellow footprints. Don't say a word. We got there. Got on the yellow footprints. Your feet are at a 45 degree angle. I see back then the drill instructors. They can knock the shit out of you back then. Can't do that now. And this one guy, he was from Philly. Jerry Curl, shark skin suit, had this ghetto blaster, this big, big old music uh, box. And so the instructor told him to turn it off. He was kind of slow looking at him, you know, like, man, all right. And so he turns it off. And so he said something to the drill instructor that was derogatory. He took the box up, threw it down, and broke it. Guy tried to take a swing on him. Only thing I remember was seeing those Stacy Adams shoes upside down. That guy was on the ground. He got up and realized he was in a whole different environment. Then he started to question his commitment. We're going to get our hair cut. And the way they cut your hair in the Marine Corps, if you got a knot, pimple, bump, or anything in your head, you just put your finger over it, and the barber's cut around it. I mean, you're shaved completely bald. And he's sitting there getting his head shaved. He's crying. Drone instructor asked him, why are you crying? He said, because I don't know if I made a good decision or not. And I'll never forget what the drill instructor told him. He said, USMC. And he's like, United States Marine Corps? He said, no, you signed a motherfucking contract. And he realized then, even though he made a choice where he was indecisive, by going in, the choice was made for him after he got in. Now, this guy went in. And, of course, he had some knocks and bruises along the way. But during graduation, when we graduated, oh, he proudly wore the uniform. And he had a different level of respect for himself. And see, sometimes when you make a commitment to something, you have to look at that commitment, and you have to look at what you're going to benefit from that commitment. And I don't mean just monetary gain, but what you learn, life lessons, good life lessons. And you're gonna have some bad ones along the way. You're gonna have some tough times along the way. That's to be expected. But you have to realize that at some point, you're gonna have to understand that with every commitment, there's always gonna be challenges. There's always going to be something that's going to shake you to the core. But you have to still keep your standards, limits, and boundaries. Now, what this means primarily is that that word called discipline, 
going to have to learn how to utilize it to its fullest when you're in a relationship. Because if you don't, and you go in with an undisciplined approach to commitment, you're going to wind up getting your heart broken and being a damn fool that you don't want to be. We'll talk more in a minute. One of the most challenging things when you're in a relationship where you're committed is to have that commitment breached by your partner on their end based on a third party intervention. Someone comes into their lives, things change, they treat you differently, and they start to slack up on their commitment. You feel slighted. A lot of that person's energy is now going into this other party. So the luxuries you had in the relationship when it came to time with that person, when it came to sharing moments, experiences with that individual, they're now fading based on the current situation. And we're all human, so we have feelings. We have this repulsion when it comes to rejection. Nobody likes being rejected, for the most part. So what you're dealing with is a situation where you're questioning whether or not you need to be more committed to someone in order to get their attention. So some people throw themselves in the mix of that person's space, time, efforts. In other words, they become very insecure and try to smother them. But most often than not, they're even rejected even more fiercely by the partner. Now, this lack of commitment usually is born out of some sort of dispute. Now, here's the thing that people miss out on sometimes. That dispute does not have to be external, where that person has a problem with you or a problem with the situation within a relationship. It could be something totally internal on their part. And the only thing you're seeing is the byproduct of it in the way they act, the way they behave. And they may not want to communicate with you. This is the reason why I tell you, communication is not the magic key. A lot of people are misguided by thinking that's the only thing you need to retain a relationship. And they're dead wrong. When that person's not communicating with you, they're inconsiderate of your feelings. They're inconsiderate of even letting you know what's going to happen next on their end. And therefore, you're in a relationship going along blindly. Now, in the other podcast, the lady who was committed to her relationship, husband was ready to go out with this other woman. He went out, 
and apparently came back home because plans had changed on the woman's end. Now, how do you think she felt? She felt like she was the last choice on earth for him. And she said that he sat there and drank wine. I didn't say anything else to her that night. That marriage is on life support. At best. But she's staying committed. And in a way, she probably felt trapped. I have his child. He's gone with this other woman. He's going to spend a night. Initially, she probably thought that. And she feels betrayed in many ways. His level of commitment is in question. But one thing we know is he's committed to himself as far as to go with the mistress. But you also have to think about the other factor that's involved here. She's questioning whether or not is my commitment, does it mean anything? Is it worth anything to him? Now, ladies, let me tell you something. When you're at a point where you have to make a man feel guilty about saying, hey, you know what? We have children. We have family. When you get to that point, let me tell you something. He has already chosen where he'd like to be. If he goes on and continues doing what he's doing, that guilt is not going to work. Don't ever try to guilt, blame, and shame someone to love you or to be committed to you. I talked about this in the podcast about guilt, blame, and shame. You can check it out. It's the top show on the podcast. Because, see, what you have to remember is this. People use that tactic in order to manipulate you. And even if you were to get him back through guilt, shame, and blame, guess what you don't have? You don't have any more of a man than you had before you did it. He's just going along with it to keep you quiet. See, here's the thing. If he's serious, what he's going to do is sit down and talk to you. He's going to communicate. And guess what? the two of you will work out a strategy where whatever problem you're having, you're going to resolve that before you move forward. Because the one thing you want to do as a couple is to get it resolved, get it forgotten. And that's the thing. A lot of you will get to a point where you will talk about an issue for days, weeks, months, years even. And that's one of those minefields that you don't want to go through. But sometimes you're going to have to be the daring hero, both of you, and go through and dig up those mines. Again, WRK for L-O-V-E. This is the reason why most people don't get involved in relationships, because it takes work. 
and you have floaters, people who start relationships but don't finish them. But more than likely, if you look at their pattern of behavior, they probably started other things in life and won't finish them. I dated a lady down in Long Beach one time. She had bought this nice three-bedroom, two-bathroom house. And it was a fixer-upper. They needed a roof. Foundation was good, but people had squatted in the house and she was redoing everything. Well, she had the uh, contractors come in. They put carpet down. They painted the walls. They did all these wonderful things at her place. And after that was done, I met her when they had just finished up doing the construction on it. And she was like, well, I got everything that I needed to have done. And she says, what I'm going to do is just drive around and see if I can find furniture in a dumpster. And I'm saying to myself, okay, you paid over $100,000 for this house. Back then, it was like one hundred and seventy, hundred and eighty thousand. But yet, she was going to go to a dumpster and find the furniture. Well, she went on and did so. But what she didn't realize was that some of those pieces she had had termites in them, had roaches, had all kind of things. But she thought she was saving money. So, after a while, she had to exterminate her to come in. They had to spray the place. Then eventually, she had to throw many of those pieces out because they were just infested with all kinds of different things. And she called me up one day, and she said, You know, I don't think that was a good idea. I said, I didn't think it was either, and I told her about it before she did it. She said, Well, I want you to go with me. We're going shopping. We're going to Levitt's. So we went to Levitt's Furniture. Now, mind you, this woman had almost $40,000 put away for furniture. Trying to go on a cheap. And I asked her, I said, now, you paid close to $9,000 for them to fumigate your house and get all those critters out of there. She's like, yeah, I know. She says, but, you know, this is just something I just thought that I would save some money on. I said, well, you'd have come out better just going here first. And she went and ordered the wraparound sofas and all this stuff. House was really nice. It was really decorated very nicely. However, after she did that, she still had enough money to get her car fixed. Bad shape. Car needed a timing belt, which broke on her. She had to buy a rebuilt engine, which cost her about four grand. And it was like she could never follow through on things that really needed to be taken care of. You have some people that are like that. They don't finish. They don't follow through. And those of you who have dated Pisces, 
you know what I'm talking about. Because that's one thing that my mom and dad worked on me as a kid. They said, whatever you do, if you start something, you finish it. He says, whatever's on your plate, you finish it. And what my parents did that was kind of different from the rest of the family. My mother would let me put what I needed on my plate. Because what they were trying to teach me was discipline. They would tell me, she would tell me, only put on your plate what you can eat. The rest of it's going into the refrigerator. If you want more, get more, but only put on what you can eat. And I stuck by something my grandfather always told me. My grandfather told me, wise, wise man, told me, he said, uh, he said, son, you don't see any fat lions, tigers. He said, have you ever wondered why? I said, no, Grandpa, I don't. He said, because they eat what is sufficient for them to stay active. If they eat too much, they become inactive and possibly a victim based on their greed. It made a lot of sense. In other words, you finish what you start so that you'll be in a position to admire what you've done, but to also be active to take advantage of other opportunities come available to you. Now, here's the thing. When it comes down to your commitment and the relationship, in the beginning, if you know that you will not be able to stomach some of the things in it, or you ask for exclusivity, you may want to really think long and hard about the choice you're making. Because at this point, it's a choice, not a decision as much. Because you've eliminated all the other people that would be considerate, considered for this particular stage in your life. So therefore, any errors in judgment will count against you. Because you're the one that's making the decision on the person you want to be with. That choice now that you're making. See, from the perspective of you, you have a decision to make. And that decision is to decide on what choices you want for yourself. See, it's a different thing when someone is already selected and made the decision on their end for the choices that you have. You go into a clothing store, they only have it in this or that color. Those are the choices that the manufacturers gave you only. You don't have a decision in that. But when you are going for a man, ladies, you could decide from all of these different guys and the decision that you make for the guys that you would like to go out with, say you got 20 guys, 
that are interested in you and five of them are the ones that are really striking the right chord with you you go and you decide on those five now that decision is made you have limited your choices to these five men and then out of that what do you have to do then make another decision on who's going to remain so what you're doing with these decisions is actually limiting your choices all the way down to one that's the way you do it now on the male side of things what we like to do sometimes is since it's harder for us to get women we will then go and try to not make a choice but have the decisions and sometimes the women that's what they do they make the decision and the choices based on their own perspective so we may not be chosen by them because they decided not to go for us even though we wanted for, wanted to go for them and we have to accept that now other things we have to face when you have chosen the one you wanted you guys are in a relationship you're starting out and this is the reason why i always recommend that you become friends before lovers this gives you a test run on their personality on their character on the way they behave so you will have your eyes wide open going in by going for the relationship first and worrying about all the rest of the stuff later you're wasting his time if it's not going to work out and not only that he's wasting his time and money with you because when you go into a relationship a lot of times especially in this modern era the first time you go out is a date He's expecting a kiss, hand hug, a hug, a hand holding or something like that. Some sort of contact of affection. And you hear a lot of women, I hear this a lot. Oh, we we we're starting too soon. We're doing too many things too fast. You start having sex too fast, that kind of thing. And now you want to slow it down. More often than not, when you try to slow it down, that's when he loses his interest. And why is that? And what does it does? What does it do to the woman? It makes her think, "Oh, the only thing he was interested in was sex." No, what he was interested in was the continuity of what you were doing. Because that was part of the relationship and now you're taking that away. And so the way he's looking at it is she's going to do this with other things in the relationship. That's a miscommunication some women miss out on. Because see, what we look for as men is continuity throughout the relationship. If you start wearing a cocktail dress and high heels when we first meet you, we expect that throughout the relationship, not for it just to be the first or second date, then you talk about your backwards and you can't stand them damn shoes and you give them to your daughter or your girlfriend. Whatever you start with, you end with. 
Because, see, the one thing that you have to remember is that consistency or continuity means a lot to men. And the reason why it does is because we expect it out of not only ourselves, other men, and society expects it of us. And that's one of the things that we project on the women. Now, many of you ladies know if you're involved with a guy and he's just into you for sex, you will know this. It will be only obvious. But when you start out and you're thinking, well, you know, we're just having sex, just having sex, not going out anywhere, just doing our thing. What happens then, he's like, well, since that's all she required of me, that's all I'm going to do. And when you start trying to get serious and say, hey, look, yeah, uh, we're not doing anything tonight. We're just going to sit and talk. He's like, well, you're pulling back now, so I need to pull back. And that's the way he sees it, because you led with the wrong thing. We'll talk more in a moment. Now, in conclusion, a healthy, committed person in a relationship has her standards intact, his standards intact, his values intact, her values intact, his boundaries intact, her boundaries intact. The goal of a committed person is that if you were to end the relationship or that partner ended it, that you walk away with your dignity your self-respect, learn from the lessons you received in the relationship that were bad. Those are learning experiences. Those are not failures. Ask yourself, how do you feel after going out? True enough, you're going to be hurt. You're going to have a lot of emotional baggage there. But what you have to also look at is, how do I feel about myself? Again, you want to look at how you were when you began the relationship, how you are now. What were the positive attributes that you acquired in that relationship? Was it coping skills? Was it something like dealing with difficulties that you may not have dealt with in the past? Was it a situation where you challenged your fears? Is it a situation where you've grown emotionally? These are all attributes that you can take with you going forward in life in order to better prepare you later on for a more fulfilling relationship if it failed. If it's going good between the two of you and you both are committed, you want status reports as a couple from each other. Honey, how are we doing? Baby, we're doing fine. Okay, cool. Let's keep it that way. We got any issues we need to talk about? No, we're good. But you can genuinely and honestly answer that question. And don't be afraid to ask that question in the relationship. But see, here's the thing. With those rules, boundaries, and standards, values, you're not allowing yourself to become what is called overly committed. 
overly committed means you're a person that's putting way too much more effort in the relationship than your partner is. Your partner's on automatic pilot. Everything's fine to them. You're complaining about a non-issue as they see it. And in this frame of mind, this can give you a very skewed perspective because then you're trying to make good. You're trying to make up. You're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to please and appease. And you burn yourself out. And the first thing that will go will be your self-esteem, then your dignity, your self-respect, then your identity. This is the reason why so many women who come out of bad marriages and relationships, they're messed up. They don't want to date. They punish themselves. I'm never dating again. I'll never get married again, etc., etc. I've heard it all. And what it's come down to is that they were like the kamikaze pilot I talked about in the beginning. They're destined, unfortunately, to self-destruction because they have already set a course for that and don't not realize it because they're so close to the relationship. They haven't stepped back and looked objectively at it. I'm doing this by myself. My partner's not helping me with this. He's not helping me love him or she's not helping me love her. This is a situation where we're stalemated. Yes, we still sleep in the same bed. We still live in the same house. Everybody still does their duties around the house, whatever it is. But there's something still missing. And there are marriages and relationships that continue this way with that one partner being more committed than the other. The other partner says something like, well, I'm going out tonight. No explanation. Not even if they were to get hurt. And what do you do as a lady sometimes? Honey, could you at least tell me where you're going so if you get hurt or something like that, I'll at least know where you are. He says, oh, don't worry about it. I'll be all right. That's not a good thing. You know, even when my mom and I were living together, one thing I told her, I said, I'm going to call you wherever I am to make sure that you're all right. Anything goes wrong, you call me. Secondly, if anyone calls you but me, talking about me, I am dead. I'm not hurt. I'm not sick. I am dead. As long as I have breath in my lungs, you will hear my voice. I also told my ex-wife the same thing. I told every woman that I dated, Long term, the same thing. Monica, she knew. I told her. And she said, oh, don't say that. I said, it's true. I said, because I'm going to make sure you hear it from me. As long as I have breath in my lungs, if something has happened. If I can't speak for myself, that meant that I'm no longer with us. But I let them know 
where I was for their own peace of mind. Not because I was afraid of them, you know, catching me somewhere. I was hanging out somewhere I wasn't supposed to. Because, see, here's the thing you got to realize. When you hear people talk about, well, I was somewhere I wasn't supposed to be. Why are you there? That's the question you would need to ask. I remember years ago, I dated this lady. And I'd always call my mom, let her know where I was and stuff because she was ill. And I wanted to be in proximity of her. So if she needed anything, I was there. And this lady took me to this damn friend of hers house to pick her up. We were going out that night. Now we get to this neighborhood, police all around the place. Some guy had barricaded himself in this apartment. Her girlfriend comes out. She gets in the car. And she's going to sit there talking about, wait, 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 I want to see what happened. I'm like, look, you got all those police officers out there. You had this man on a second-story apartment with a big-ass picture window. He has a vantage point of shooting anywhere from that place. And we're in the line of fire. If you don't want to go with us, stay your ass here. We're going. So I took off. The lady I was with gave me shit about that the whole night. You know, that was rude what you said. I said, no, it wasn't rude. I said, it would have been rude if we sat there and a bullet came out of that apartment and hit her in the head. Then what would be so rude about it? She got quiet. Didn't want to speak to me anymore. So after we went on a date, I was going to drop a girlfriend off, and I was going to take her home. She said, no, I'm going to stay over at her place. I said, yeah, you do that. Didn't even bother talking to me again. Because this was something they were accustomed to. And I had to put myself in the position of, I got myself in a fucked up situation over somebody who I cared about, who exposed me to a situation like that and herself and her friend I'm thinking it was entertainment but it didn't resonate to them that you know what just because you're around violence doesn't mean that violence won't pay you a visit it is of no allegiance to you it doesn't have any respect for you Violence is violence. It doesn't care where it comes from or how, who it consumes. And this is something they couldn't see. They thought that they were immune to it. Mm-mm. These things happen. So you have to think about when you're committed in a relationship. If something were to happen to me here, could I explain it to my partner? Again, I think back to that lady with a guy that was going out with the other woman. What if 
he went out with this other woman and she had a husband. Husband comes home, sees him, shoots him. How the hell would that look? How would she explain that to the family? Well, how did he die? Well, he was fucking this woman. The husband came in and shot him. That's a hell of a way to be remembered, isn't it? It's not a good way. Not a good look. Not a good look at all. What we have to deal with, folks, when it comes down to a commitment is to set limitations for ourselves, for our own safety. Our own emotional safety. Because if you don't, oh, you can get torn up. I had a friend of mine, Rick, back in the day. Rest his soul, he's no longer with us. This man literally died of a broken heart. His wife, well, we met him, my friends and I met him. Monica didn't like him at all because she thought he was too weak. His wife used to deface him in front of us, emasculate him big time. And he was one of these types of guys that thought that he had to constantly try to please and appease someone that was really impossible to please and appease. We went to Spago's one night up there on Sunset, when he spilled Sunset, now it's Miyagi's. That was one of our favorite spots. The other one was Carlos and Charlie's right down the street. And I'll never forget, she told us that night, she says, uh, tell him that night when we were listening, she says, you know, you need to take me out here at least twice a week. Now, Spagos wasn't cheap back then. He went out, got him an extra job, second job, so that he could take her out. Well, what she started doing was going up there herself. Monica and I saw her there several times by herself or with another dude. And he finally found out that she was seeing another man. It cut him to the core. His heart was broken. And I'll never forget one night he called me up. He told me, crying. He was like, man, I was on my knees, crawling after her. She walked into the door, begging her not to leave. And that's what she did. She packed up all her stuff and left him. He quit hanging with us. Didn't hear from him for a while. He had moved to, I think, Long Beach at the time. And about two or three years later, he died. Don't know what he died from, from what they said, cardiac arrest. But I know she had a big impact in his life when he passed away. Well, Monica and I went to his funeral, and she was there, of course. And she went to try to sit with the family. That was not a pretty picture. They barely wanted her inside the sanctuary. She had to sit way in the back. 
Not one tear flowed from that woman's eyes. She got in her car, drove off just like, okay, I'm done with that. What's next? And it was really sad. Really sad thing to see. But you have some people that are impregnable when it comes down to their emotions and their feelings. And no matter what you try to do, sometimes there's some battles you can't win. And sometimes you got to know when to say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm done. I can do better. I can feel better. Because remember, the measure of a relationship is how your partner makes you feel. Please don't forget that. Because that's a reflection of how you feel about yourself. If you're in a relationship with someone who's mistreating you, are thinking you're less than, the first person you need to start looking at before calling them the tyrant or whatever, you got to look at yourself. Why did I allow myself to be in this position for this to happen? And then I want you to go and think about yourself prior to meeting that person, and that will give you a full picture on how far you've fallen. Well, folks, I want you to take care. Love you all. Thank you so much. And uh, hey, drop us a question or comment. Anchor.fm backslash romantic truth backslash message. Talk to you soon. I would like to personally thank you for listening to Romantic Truth. You may follow us on Facebook.com backslash Romantic Truth. You may ask your friends to subscribe to Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth. Or you can leave us a message at Anchor.fm backslash Romantic Truth backslash message. You may contact us through email at RomanticTruthPodcast at gmail.com. Take care. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region.
The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.